Today's reading is taken from St. John's Gospel, chapter 6, verses 25 to 34. Page 111, I am informed, is the page in the Church Bible. Jesus, the bread of life. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. You are looking for me, not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, what must we do to, to the, works, the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, what miraculous sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our forefathers ate the manna in the desert as it is written. He gave them bread from the heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. It is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my father who gives you the, the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, from now on, give us this bread. Thanks be to God. liking the ramp. Great. <laughs> well, I know, it just also means that Lisa doesn't have to do a run-up, which is good. So, yeah. <laughs> God of love, you speak to us in all kinds of ways. Open our hearts and our ears to whatever it is you have to say to us this morning, through whatever part of this service. In Jesus' name, Amen. When my brother and I were small, my mum always used to keep the fruit bowl topped up. And if we ever complained that we were hungry and we wanted a snack between meals, that was where she'd send us. And when she did, one or other of us usually would uh, say, I'm not hungry for fruit. <laughs> Does that sound familiar to anyone? Yeah. <laughs> so... Mum obviously didn't want us filling up on empty calories, um, on sugary things that we really wanted, um, that momentarily sated our appetite and that maybe then stopped us from eating our dinner later. And in a very simple way, this is kind of what's at the heart of that gospel passage we've just heard. It's what Jesus is speaking about when he's talking about bread Physical bread, yes, but he is talking about that spiritual bread, that uh, spiritual sense of being filled and satisfied. And he's saying, don't be satisfied with the religious equivalent of empty calories. And these might be things that are, are not necessarily negative in our lives that we do. And they may even be things that we attribute religious significance to 
or our links to our faith and our involvement in church. But sometimes even those things can be distractions from something that is deeper and better, from the true and most helpful focus of our time and our energy. Now, at the point at which we get this particular um, story about the bread, those who have been following Jesus have just, in the account of John, been fed physical bread as part of the miracle of the healing of the 5,000. So understandably, they're quite impressed by this. And um, they're quite hung up on the idea of the physical provision of actual bread to eat. Um, And they're thinking back to the stories about the hungry Israelites who traveled in the desert and um, who sought that provision from God having escaped from Egypt. It was a really important event in their lives and story in their lives. um, And they needed the bread, the manna in the wilderness, on a practical level at the time to survive, to physically survive. But it was really a sign of the faithful provision of God for their needs and simply a foretaste of the greater provision, the greater work to come, which is the bread of God that was the bread that came down from heaven and gives life to the world. In other words, Jesus himself, who identifies himself as being that bread that we need. So Jesus is saying, shift your focus now from that to him, to me, he says. So they say, okay, so if we're moving our focus to you as the bread of life, what's the work that God has for us to do? What does he want from us? And he replies with this astonishing thing. He doesn't say, go and look after the poor and the sick or obey the law or come to church or set up groups or or whatever. He says, he doesn't say any other myriad good things that we might get involved in, good works. What he says is, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So therefore, all our work, all we do for God, begins with that. It begins and it stems from that one relationship with the one that God sent, with Jesus. He is the bread, the sustenance, the daily and the necessary food on which we must feed And like manna in the desert, it's going to be absolutely sufficient for the needs of the day. But if we neglect to recognize this, if we neglect to foster and grow that relationship with Jesus above all other priorities in our life, then basically we're starving ourselves of something essential. It's as serious as that. It's not a nice-to-have of Christian discipleship. It's not a bolt-on or an optional thing. It's the core. It's the bedrock. It's the very foundation of everything we are and everything we're about. Well, it's January, so I reckon a good few of us have decided we need to exercise more physically. (laughs) I know, I know, Helen, I know. (laughs) She's been trying to lure me into parkrun and I studiously ignored it. But have we also considered how to exercise spiritually? Much more my bag. Um, Have we been thinking about how to exercise ourselves spiritually? How to build up our appetite for the right kind of bread? The problem is we're really easily satisfied with the poorer version, with the less than. What are we running on spiritually? What are those snacks that are fueling us? 
that are, are keeping us back perhaps from the real thing. Are we happy in any area of our life with empty calories? Have you heard of Pete Gregg, Pete Grieg, who um, is the founder of the 24-7 global prayer movement? Read anything he writes and listen to anything he says. He's brilliant. Um, and he is a passionate follower um, and disciple of Christ and has been bold throughout his life in just listening to God and, and going where God sends him. He's written a couple of very inspiring books. Um, and in one of them called Dirty Glory, he tells the story of a place in the United States that he and his family lived in for a short while. And it was known originally to the first ever residents there as Blue Camp 20. I'd never heard of it. Anybody else heard of this place? Yes, some people. Okay. So what it was, was a, a stopping point, really, um, a temporary halt on the edge of civilization for the early pioneers between the 1820s, 1880s, who were heading through dangerous wilderness territory and plains to their ultimate destination, which was Santa Fe. And this story of this place, originally Blue Camp 20, became very significant for him and his life because um, what happened was, at the t as time went on, some of those early settlers never left Blue Camp 20. They stayed there and settled, and they built businesses and homes based around serving the needs of those that were passing through. And uh, in time, that stopping place that was originally meant to be temporary became a little town in its own right, and they renamed it at that point. It was no longer to be known as Blue Camp 20. It was to be known as Little Santa Fe. You see what happened? They settled for something less than they had originally hoped and aimed for. And for Pete and his family, who happened to be living there for a time, he realized that it was a really challenging metaphor for him because he'd nearly given up on the pioneering ministry that God had given him because they were tired, he and his family, and they'd gone there for a bit of respite and rest and recovery from quite punishing few years. And he began to find himself sort of attracted to the comfort and the lifestyle um, and... Uh, kind of feeling, you know, why shouldn't we put down roots? Why shouldn't we, you know, begin to settle? And there's nothing wrong with putting down roots, but it's not what God was calling him to and his family to. And he kind of recognized that through hearing about this story and kind of woke up to the fact, well, this was only ever meant to be temporary. There's more I need to do. So where are we stuck? What's our blue camp 20, I wonder? What are we settling for? that's less than what God has for us. And how do we begin? How do we begin to ease ourselves out of that rut and on to something else? Well, I think it starts with making time for abiding in God. Yesterday, um, the ministry leadership team, we took ourselves off for an away day. And we looked together, particularly about how we abide. That word comes from um, that image of abiding in me, says Jesus, like the vine, he's the vine, and we're the branches in the vine, and without being part of that vine, we wither. That's the word that's used, we physically wither and can do nothing apart from being uh, abiding in him, being grafted into him. And uh, we were looking at how we have to be plugged in personally and as a church to grow. And Jesus says that without him, we can't do it. We just can't do it. And 
to have that time away as an MLT, we had all of us, the nine of us that were able to go, had to carve out time from busy lives and other places that were good places to be and necessary places to be, families, work, whatever, in order to attend. And it felt a bit costly, and there was compromise in that. But it was so worth it. It turned out to be a really, really precious time with God as well as with each other. And um, we did meet the presence of God in that space, and it recharged and it renewed us and refocused us. Because actually, it's coming to the recognition, personally and corporately, that we can only do for God out of the quality of our being with God. So what does real hunger for God look like? So many examples in the Bible that give us a clue about that. As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you. That's, it's a beautiful, we sing it, don't we? Um, I'm, have I ever been that thirsty for God? Have I ever longed after God as, as powerfully as that? Jesus takes himself off, doesn't he, for times on his own with the Father, despite the press of the crowd, despite all of the pressure that's on him and all the things he wants to accomplish in those three years of ministry before the cross. He takes time away to be with the Father. The disciples, they're hungry too, aren't they, sometimes? Show us, show us the Father, explain what you mean, help us understand. They want to know. The father of the boy who's healed, I believe, help my unbelief. That's hunger, isn't it? That's a hunger for change and for growth in God. The Ethiopian in the chariot who's reading scripture and doesn't understand it, and then when, um, when he does understand it, you know, what's to stop me from being baptized? That's somebody who is hungry for God's work in their lives. So it's that desire to press in despite our flaws and our failings, to hold out for the possibility that we can be yet closer to God, to see him work in our everyday experience, the transforming power of his Holy Spirit in our lives, in the lives of those around us. What does it look like in our everyday? Well, it's a handing over of the self-sufficiency in all things. It's allowing God to access all areas not just the Sunday bit or the little bit at the beginning or the end of the day or whenever it is. Access all areas of our life. Ultimately, it leads to less frenetic activity. Because what it does is it slows us down. And it makes us order our priorities because it's an angling of our lives towards God and God's priorities. And what does God have for us? Well, it's only for good and for flourishing. Come to me, all who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Give me your burdens. God walks with and carries with, doesn't he? Okay, so it's for our flourishing. And he begins to pull us out of the things that aren't helpful to us and that we expend time and energy on that actually draw from us rather than replenish and build us. And I've discovered that time with God makes all the difference to a challenging day. And some of you will have discovered that too, I know. It's that relinquishing of control. It's a surrender to God's purposes and agenda. The busier and the harder my day ahead, the more vital it is that I build in that time with God. Okay? And it's not boring. If you're doing it and it's boring, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> what is it that connects you best with God? Find that thing 
and do that thing and build it from there. Um, I've heard the phrase, a hardening of the arteries, but you need to be aware, you know, if you avoid the hardening of the arteries, not the arteries. So that's that little voice in you that tells you, oh, I ought to do this and I ought to do that and puts that guilt and that pressure on you. And we do it, don't we, with time with God. We get legalistic about it. That's what that's called. We don't do it out of the overflow of love. Which of you has a fabulous best friend that you long to spend time with? And maybe that's your partner as well, which is fantastic. But which of you has a fabulous best friend and you think, oh, I've got to see my best friend. You know, we do that sometimes about making time to be with God. What's going on there? That's crazy, isn't it? Because we think of it as a task or something we've got to tick off in our day. It was never meant to be that. I don't imagine Jesus spending time with his father was kind of dragging his heels reluctance. It was like, this is the stuff I need that feeds me, that helps me do all of this. That's the dynamic we're hunting for and that we need to be hungry for. I want that. Do you want that? Yeah. Okay. So we all want it. So let's do it. <laughs> right. What we're going to do, okay, is um, open our lives and our church up now to that desire, that hunger. Um, we're going to ask God to lead us into that richness um, of activity in our lives and in those around us. We want that real food for life. So we're going to make some time now, um, about seven minutes or so, so not very long, to do some focus praying in this place, okay? So you can move. You can move out into the concourse and other parts of the building, but please would you be sensitive to the fact that we've got children in the rooms uh, in the concourse. So stay back away from the doors. We don't want to be distracting what's going on in there. You can pray silently, sat in your seat. You can wander around the building and pray for strategic bits of it. And because you're grown-ups, you can even go outside. But just be aware of the bell which will call us back in together. So what are we praying for? We're praying for hunger for ourselves. We want God to give us that appetite for the right thing, the appetite for the bread of life, for Jesus, okay? To start in us and for it to fill our whole church and all the congregations that meet here. And then uh, we want to be not satisfied with the crumbs, but with that true bread, and to want it for each other. So do feel free to stay in your chairs. Tom's going to play a little bit of quiet music um, to back us. Please keep the focus. By all means, pray together, but um, don't fall into chatting and distraction from what we're doing, because we are going to regather um, before we move on. And the bell will signal time's up. So away you go, seven minutes. Wouldn't it be marvellous? if we all began to crave the presence of God and our time with God. Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing? Wouldn't it transform us and transform church and our lives? Um, right, one last thing before I go. I'm going to set you a challenge for when you pick up that coffee cup. The challenge is just to ask one person, what helps you to abide? What is it that helps you to come close to God on a regular basis? You'll get out of jail free comment if somebody asks you that and you're kind of new to this whole Christianity faith thing and you're visiting is, I'm still working that one out, <laughs> okay? <laughs> but if you can ask one another that question over coffee, just one person before you get into your chatting, it'd be really interesting. Let's help each other grow in this. Okay, amen.